Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from, and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. Well, good morning. It's good to be back with y'all. Me and Erica are back from our vacation, and we immediately got right into VBS, and then we're heading to UM Army today. So we timed up our vacation very poorly, one might say. Uh, it's really good to be here as we're leaving in about two hours to go to Chandler, which is a three and a half drive, three and a half hour drive. So I'm very much looking forward to Erica driving us to Chandler this afternoon. And uh, we are in the middle of a short three-week sermon series called Lost and Found. It's looking at those three parables in Luke chapter 15, those parables that talk about how God's heart is for the lost, and how Jesus talks about the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and then the parable of the lost son. And today we're looking at the parable of the lost coin today. And it's the shortest of the three parables, and it's also the one that's most often skipped over. We love the story of the lost sheep. We sing incredible songs about it. You know, we sang Reckless Love last week. And there's lots of songs written about the lost son. But I was conferring with Ryan in the last service, and there's no songs written about the lost coin. It's the, the forgotten brother of the parables in Luke chapter 15. And it's so easy for us to skip over this parable. It's so easy for us to just be like, all right, great, same message as the lost sheep. Let's get to the good stuff of the lost son that makes us cry, or at least makes me cry. Let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the one that talks about God's heart for us. But if we skip over this one too quickly, we're going to miss out on, I think, a very valuable lesson about God's heart, not only for us, but God's heart for the lost. And so let's read that short parable here together. Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10, if you have your Bibles with you. It says this, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, There is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I lose things all the time. Just ask my wife. uh, All the time. I'm a very forgetful person. For Christmas one year, Erica got me the tile for my keys, so that way I would never lose my keys again. And then they made one for the wallet, and I was like, this is exactly what I need because I lose my wallet all the time. Like, I'm very forgetful of a person. And I lose my wedding ring more often than one should, I would argue. But I lose it kind of a lot, one could say. I I put it places, and then I forget where I put it, and then I'm, like, searching the house for it. And there was one time I lost my wedding ring for about two weeks. And for the first week, Erica did not know that it was lost. And eventually I couldn't hide it anymore, and I said, Erica, I hate to tell you this, but my wedding ring's gone. And so then we proceeded for the next few hours at her behest to turn the house upside down until the ring was found, and we couldn't find it. And so I'm freaking out, I'm really worried, Erica's mad at me, 
And I'm thinking, you know, I really, really need to find this ring. And so Erica says, you know, you need to go search your car again. Your car's a mess. Just go do it. Maybe it's in there. And so I'm looking in my car, and I find it. It's like tucked underneath one of my mats in my car. And I was so happy when I found it. I was so relieved that I found it because Erica was very angry with me. And so having that wrath relieved was very, very reassuring for me. So I was more relieved than ecstatic. But when you find something that you hold valuable, that we hold valuable together, there's a lot of rejoicing like this woman has. But what's interesting and what's different about this parable and versus like losing a wedding ring or losing a wallet is we all deem that to be valuable. Like I don't think there's anyone in here who would say, yeah, a wedding ring is kind of worthless. We all, have, we all say that wedding rings are stuff that holds value that it's a symbol of a covenant between a husband and a wife, it's, it's expensive, it's, you know, it's all these things that we as society say this is deemed as valuable. And so when we look at the parable of the lost coin, the coins in this parable do not have the same value like a lost wallet or a lost wedding ring would. Verse 8, it says, 10 silver coins. Scholars think that this is most likely 10 drachma, or 10 days' wages. It's not a huge sum of money, just 10 days' worth of wages. Most likely, scholars think that this was either uh, this woman's dowry for her to be married, and she was a poor person, and this is all that her family could afford was 10 days' wages. Or she was a recently a widow, and this was her dowry that she had gotten back, and this is all of her life savings, is just 10 days' worth of wages. Subjectively, when you look at it from the outside, it's not a large sum of money. It doesn't have a lot of value, and it doesn't have a lot of worth. But to this woman, and her reaction when she loses the coins, we see that these coins are extremely valuable to her. And so as we look at this parable, we first need to recognize that you are valuable to the Lord. That you are are valuable to the Lord. That although the coin was not deemed great by society, this woman saw that it had great value. This woman said, this coin is so precious to me, and she turns her house upside down looking for it. And we cannot miss this, because this is what Jesus says, this is what the heart of God is like. That the heart of God is like, a woman looking for her lost coin, that you have enormous value to the Lord, that God's heart for us is so much greater than we can imagine. And this theme of God valuing you is woven throughout Scripture. This isn't just a theme that pops up here in the Gospels. It's this theme of God chasing after his people, of God running after people who have abandoned him, who have rebelled against him, and God saying, I know what you've done, and I choose to love you anyways. And we see the scene of God saying, I deem you as valuable. I say that you are worthy of my love because I have declared it to be so. In Isaiah chapter 49, it says this, one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament. Can a mother forget a baby at her breast? And have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will never forget you. But even if a mother forgets her child, the Lord will never forget you. Goes on to say, see, 
I have engraved your name on the palm of my hand, and your walls are ever before me, Jerusalem. This is a time after the walls of Jerusalem have been sacked, and the people of God are thinking, has God abandoned me? In the middle of devastation and desolation, and the people of God are wondering, has the Lord left me? Has God forsaken me in my misery? Has God forsaken me in my desolation? The Lord comes and speaks this word of hope that even if, even if a mother forgets her child, I will never forget you, Israel. That your walls are ever before me, your devastation is ever before me, that your name is written on the palm of my hand. How could I forget you, Israel? I will never forget you because I value you, says the Lord. Frankly, even though we don't deserve it. And that's, I think, the, the reality is that the coin ultimately, it is worthless. Coin ultimately is worthless. It's just one day's wage. But God deems it as valuable. But God deems you as valuable. That the Lord says, I see you in your devastation, in your desolation, and I deem you as valuable, that we're like these worthless coins, but God says, that is not how I see you. That you are extremely valuable to me, and it doesn't matter what anyone else says. First John 3 says this. Uh, Brandon, if you want to pull that up. See what great love the Father has lavished just this idea of overflowing love. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That we are God's children. That the Lord has said that you are valuable. And we need to hear that message today before we look at those who are lost. We also need to hear that you, me, the assembled children of God are valuable to him. You know, we had the kids come up and sing today, and it's so great to see them, and they're so precious in the eyes of the Lord, and it's so great to hear them lead us in worship this morning, and they are deeply loved by God. And it's easy to see that now when they're kids, but the reality is that they're going to grow up, and they're going to make mistakes, and they're going to sin, and they're going to sin in some hard ways. But that does not change the heart of the Lord for them. That these children are precious to God and they will stay that way forever. And that, friends, you have always stayed precious to the Lord. That you are valuable to the Lord. And you may be thinking, well, I, I used to be worthy of love. I used to have value but, but pastor, you don't, know what I've, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the things that I'm struggling with right now. You don't know, know the half of what my life is going through right now. How can you say that? If only you knew, you wouldn't say that I have value to the Lord. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. 
Now, let's get back to the work. But the gospel message that we see here in Luke is that the coin, when it's lost, is still valuable to the Lord. That the coin being lost doesn't make the coin lose its valuable lose its value in the sight of God. Jeremiah 31.3 says this, The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you to me with my unfailing kindness, an everlasting love. Just thinking about that, that the Lord has loved you before you were even born, that your name was written on the hands of the Lord before you were even born, before your parents were even born, before your grandparents were even born. God says, I know who you are. I know all that you've done. I know all that's been done to you. I know how far you've gone away, and I still declare that you are valuable to me. And that often we sit in our guilt and our shame And we say, that's not for me. And the message of the Lord says, yes, even for you. You are valuable to me. And not only are we the people of God valuable to him, the lost, the lost coins, the lost people are valuable to the Lord as well. Like I said before, the reality of the coin getting lost doesn't change its value to the woman. She searches after it because it's just as valuable as the ones that are still with her. That she has nine and she could just sell for nine. After all, it's not that big a deal. It's just one day's wage. But she says, I need all ten coins back. I will not be satisfied with anything less. And that's how God feels about the lost. And Bert did a really good job last week about setting up the context of this, that when we read these parables, we have to go back and look at Luke chapter 15 and how Jesus is sitting at a banquet with sinners and tax collectors. And then the Pharisees come along and they say, what is Jesus doing eating with sinners and tax collectors? And how that then shapes and forms these parables that Jesus was eating with the hated in his community. He was eating with the ones who were the object of scorn and derision, the tax collectors. I was doing a bit of research this week about just how hated tax collectors were. John Chrysostom, one of the church fathers, says, the tax collector is the personification of licensed violence, of legal sin and greed. Another commentary I read went on to say, that tax collectors in those days were loathed in every way possible, that their alms to the poor wouldn't be accepted in the synagogues, their testimony wouldn't be received in Jewish courts, they were held to be worse than heathens, worse than Gentiles who did not worship Yahweh. And yet these are the very people in need of restoration and redemption. I think when we talk about the lost, we often think about the the nice people on the fringes, the people that are seeking the Lord but not quite there yet. Those are the people that we want to go and serve. But in Jesus here in Luke 15, he goes to the people who were the enemies of God. He goes to the hated people, the those people. 
Anytime that we say those people, those are the people God is sending us to. Anytime we otherize another human being, those are the people that value and matter to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes and he sits with them and he has a banquet with them. Even the hated enemies and the sinners and the people who don't deserve grace, just like you and me don't deserve grace. The loathsome and the hated are loved and valuable to the Lord. The people who are enemies of the faith, the people who will go on television and media and openly talk about how terrible Christians are and how, hate, how much they hate the faith and they'll write books about how terrible Christians are and how stupid we all are. Those are the people that Jesus loves. Those are the people that are valuable to the Lord. And our hearts should be so bent towards them that we don't see them as enemies. We see them as lost coins in need of founding. That we see them as future brothers and sisters who need to be brought into the fold. And the stories, the parables, they get more and more precious as they go on. It starts off one out of a hundred sheep, one out of ten coins, and one out of two sons. And the consistent theme throughout these as the stakes get higher and higher is that the Lord's heart stays consistent regardless of if it's one of a hundred, one of ten, or one of two. The Lord says, I want them back home with me. I am not satisfied until they are back home with me. And it took a while for the coin to be found. The woman turned her house upside down. When I lost my wedding ring that one time, it took me two weeks to find it. There have been other times that it took, there are a few times I lose my wedding ring and it'll be like, all right, 15 minutes, boom, got it. Uh, sometimes it's a few days, uh, but two weeks has been the longest record, uh, hopefully, period, but that's so far, it's been two weeks. Sometimes it takes longer for us to find things that are lost. Sometimes lost people take a long time to be found. Some people it may be a year, some people five years, some people it's decades, some people it's right before their deathbed that it can take a long time for coins to be found, for lost people to come back, but that doesn't mean we stop searching and we stop reaching out to them. Because God who turns his house upside down to look for you because you are valuable does the same with the lost in our community. I mean, friends, look around here. Just do it, look around. I see empty chairs and I know Kingwood is filled with lost people. That there's a lot of big churches in Kingwood. And so we think Kingwood's a good Christianized community and no need of people needing to be saved. But that's not the reality. That's not the reality. So there are lost all around us. There are lost coins surrounding us. And the Lord will do whatever it takes to bring them home. It says in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 10, Paul's writing to this, uh, the church in Rome, and he says this, You see, friends, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for who? Who did Christ die for? The ungodly. Jesus doesn't die for the good. He dies for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might dare possibly to die. But God, but God, demonstrates his own love for us in this. 
while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more will we be saved from God's wrath through him? I just love that opening part. But God, that we who are ungodly, we who are worthless coins, deserve to be just stuck in the cracks, left alone. But God says, I will die for the ungodly. I will die for those who are my enemies. Going on, verse 9. For if while we were God's enemies, we who were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? That we who were God's enemies, that we who are here today, who are valued by God, were once his enemies. So why is it that when we look outside these walls at God's other enemies that we say they don't value, they don't matter, and they can stay God's enemies for all I care? But our heart should be breaking for the people who are not among us. Our heart should break for the coins that are not in our midst. Because Christ died for them just as Christ died for you and me. That love is the reason that Jesus does all that he does. It's the reason he came down. It's the reason he took on human flesh and died on a cross and rose again. He did it all for love. And that love pursues us, and that should be the motivation for why we love the lost. When I was at uh, Hope Springs, uh, my church in uh, seminary, I was at seminary, uh, the church was mostly an addiction recovery community, so we had celebrate recovery. Um, a lot of addicts were kind of the people who were in our midst. A lot of the addicts and criminally or uh, critically poor and homeless. Most of the people who were at the church had gone through some type of re- recovery program. And I remember we had this breakfast and Bible study on Sunday mornings right before our worship service, where we would give a breakfast and a short Bible study lesson to the homeless and the critically poor in our community. And there was one Sunday that I was teaching about the incarnation, which is Jesus coming down and being one of us. Jesus coming down to our level, and I described how Jesus went to Nazareth, a small middle-of-nowhere town. Jesus became a carpenter, a blue-collar job, He could have picked, Jesus is the only one who could have picked his birth, and he chose middle-of-nowhere town as a blue-collar job, chose to live in poverty, chose to live on the outskirts. And how it says, Scripture says, the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. And I was just talking about this is who Jesus is. This is how he lived when he came among us. I'll never forget that there was this man who was there, and when I was talking about this, his eyes lit up. He said, so you're saying that Jesus is just like me. Because the gospel reality is that it's for those people. It's for those people. The people that are difficult to love. The people bound in addiction. The people who are in desperate need of salvation. The people who are God's enemies. That it's those people for whom Jesus came to die to break the chains and the bondages in our lives. 
And so we should be people who go to those lost coins, to go to those lost people who are bound in chains by the sin in their lives and to share the gospel message that Jesus Christ is a bondage breaker, that Jesus Christ is a God who comes to shatter chains and bring us out of darkness. All sinners and tax collectors here from the world is how much they're hated, how angry everyone else is at them, and they feel the derision of their worthlessness from all those around them, and then Jesus comes into the middle of the mess. Jesus comes into their midst, and he tells them a different message, that you are valuable to me and that I love you. And so they will hear a different message from Jesus, and we should give them a different message as well. That we should be people who go to the worst in the society and say, Jesus loves you. Jesus has come to redeem you and set you free. We should be the ones giving a different message. We should be the ones offering something different. As you'll notice today on your way out, like Clint said, is that we do have communion, we do have sign-ups if you want to serve. We need help with serving on Sunday morning in the Vine. I would encourage you to write your name down and we'll be reaching out to you about different ways to serve. We got AV team, uh, communion or greeters, and band. Those are the three. Got it. Um, also on your way out, you'll notice that there'll be baskets and they'll have pennies in them. And they're pennies that I have spray-painted silver. So if there's anyone who works for the federal government in here, I apologize for uh, technically a federal crime for spray painting over those pennies. But I would encourage you as you go and you leave that there's pennies in the basket, I would encourage you to take one of them and put it in a place that you'll see. And every time you see it, think lost people matter to God. That lost people are valuable to him. And every time you see the pain, to pray for that person that the Lord brings to your heart. That lost people are precious. My friends, I'm not satisfied until this room is filled because there's not enough people. There's too many people out here in their homes on Sunday morning that are not in here worshiping with us and loving each other together. And I will not be satisfied until every seat is full because that's who the God who has called us home has called us to live our life is to bring all 10 coins back. So friends, come and be found by the Lord today. If you've been away from the Lord or if you feel like you're lost, Pastor Clint and I will be up here and we'll be praying for you. If you want to just come and receive Jesus into your life, I would just encourage you to come and find one of us. That today can be the day that you're found. Lost coins get found by God. Praise be to God. 